kind of feel like I've been uh, slacking a bit here when it comes to talking about uh, Bitcoin and crypto and all of that. I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast uh, like to hear about my thoughts on crypto and whatever else. Now, keep in mind, I am not an expert in, in this field at all. I've just been doing it a long time and have been into the technology for a really long time. But today, we're actually going to sit back and we're going to talk about um, what CBDC is, what BTC is, why the government's cracking down on staking services. Uh, we're going to kind of just kind of hash that out. We're going to talk about my trip to Peru and about how they're embracing digital money. Now, it might not be in the way you think, but we're going we're, we're gonna to go over all that. So anyways, it is Monday, February 13th, and this is The Brew House. Now, I should mention before I, you know, dig in here, uh, tomorrow is February 14th. It is Valentine's Day. So make sure, you know, if, if getting a gift or flowers or something like that is something that you do for, you know, your loved one, make sure you get that done because you're running short on time. And I know that those stores can run short on flowers sometimes. I've Back in the days when I used to give flowers and all of that to, to my significant other, my wife, I, I would always wait to the last minute. One time we... Uh, I got her dinner reservations at a fancy place she liked up in Minneapolis when we lived in Mankato. And, um, or I didn't get the reservations. I'm sorry. We drove up there and I thought, ah, it'd be like, you know, like in Sioux Falls or like anywhere else. It'd be no big deal. And I never really liked fancy restaurants or anything like that. And so, uh, we got all the way up there and I tried to get a table and the guy basically says, how fast can you eat? And I, and I said, well, I guess I can eat pretty fast if I have to. She goes, good. There's a table that's reserved for like a half hour from when we were, uh, half hour from where the time when we got there. And uh, the guy, the waiter, would keep looking over at us to make sure that we were getting done quickly. So anyways, if, if giving gifts and all of that is your kind of thing, tomorrow make sure to get, get it done today. Do what you need to do today because otherwise you might be in trouble. All right. Anyways, back to the Bitcoin thing. So... What we're going to talk about today is what CBDC is, what um, how that relates to Bitcoin, how CBDC is relating to Ethereum, and how the government is starting to crack down on Coinbase and Kraken and these other companies and their staking services. So before I get started with all of that, I do want to play one scene from uh, Mr. Robot, Season uh, 4, Episode 10. It kind of covers what I'm going to talk about, how about, you know, printing money out of, out of thin air and, and all of that kind of thing. So I want to play this scene. Now, I, if you haven't watched Mr. Robot, I, I, if you're into tech, it's definitely worth the watch. The later seasons got a little bogus and, and weird for me. I don't like the later seasons, but the, the first few seasons are really good, you know, when they're going after e-corp and all of this and then the hacking and all that stuff is really cool um the problem is i think that what what happened in the show was is that uh elliot was just too good at what he did he could hack anyone and do everything the the, the writers kind of had to veer off and and make some other decisions with the story of this of the show so that's why the later seasons get kind of weird but i don't think that that should stop you from watching the show if you're into tech if you're into any of that you should watch it you know, Disney's kind of made a mockery of the Star Wars movies in the last couple of years, but I still will go to the theater and watch the new Star Wars when they come out. It's just, that's that's the geek thing that, to do. However, I did hear today that uh, AMC, the movie theater chain, is going to start charging you more for the center seats. So, 
I generally try to go when I think no one's going to be at the movie theater. But to have to pay more to sit in an empty theater in the center seats, it's crazy to me. And I don't know how they're going to enforce it. I, I know that people have ticket numbers or they, they pick seats now when they when they go into the movies, which I think is crazy. I, when I was growing up, going to the movies was like a treat. My parents really didn't take me to the movies, but my aunt did. So anytime we'd go stay at my aunt's house, she would she would take us to a movie. And it was always an awesome outing, have the popcorn, all that. I take my kids to movies. They were kind of into the Marvel stuff for a while, but then obviously, as we all know, the Marvel stuff went downhill. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm going to play the scene for you now, and then I'll be right back. What did you just do? Just give it a few seconds. pretty good at that, aren't I? Tell me. Be patient. If you did something, I need to know. Oh, do you? Is this something illegal again? Dom. I'm serious, Darlene. If you don't tell me what you're up to... Just wait. What is it with you breaking the law? It's like a fetish. Shut the fuck up and just watch. money White Rose and her cronies have been stealing for decades just went back to the people. How? We found a way to evenly disperse it anonymously into everyone's e-coin wallets. Everyone got this much. Yep. And due to E-Corp's insistence that E-Coin remain independent from the U.S. dollar, it is completely impossible for them to reverse the transactions. This is illegal. This is stealing. After what the Dark Army did to you? Fuck, after what they did to everyone, you really want to start defending that? This isn't what justice is supposed to look like. We have laws for a reason. And they were so powerful, they wrote the laws to benefit themselves. They got away with everything because they banked on us, all of us, to trust the system. That was our vulnerability, and they took advantage of it. It took this to finally stop them. And you were a part of it. Look around. This is it. Everything we've been through led up to this one moment. The greatest redistribution of wealth in history. Okay. Well, not exactly like what we're going to talk about today. It, it, it does. It is a little close. So first thing we're going to talk about is what is CBDC? So CBDC is a central bank digital currency. So what does that mean? 
Well, what that means is, is similar to how there are Bitcoin apps that run on your phone or a ledger wallet or any of that kind of stuff, it'll be, it'll be US dollars. So no conversion necessary, nothing, nothing necessary to, to like exchange the money for something to actually buy a product at the store. If you wanted the cash, you could go to the bank and use your CBDC wallet and get real cash for it because it comes from the same account. But the government has still to this day has not um, turned on a, a, a wallet that can basically run on your phone or anything like that that's connected to the central bank. They could use something like the CBDC for your tax return. So instead of sending you a physical check or ACHing you money or wiring you money, they could just distribute the funds directly onto your, to your phone that's tied to your bank account and it all is supposedly going to work seamlessly. Now, of course, in the crypto world, we say, not your keys, not your crypto. And I would imagine that in this case, there are no security keys. The blockchain is, is a bastardized version of the blockchain that doesn't have a public ledger. Even if it had a public ledger like Monero, but it's encrypted, it won't have that. It's going to be all held on the back end by the government. Now, I do think that we're probably headed this way to, to, to do digital currency. And why do I think that? Well... As I mentioned, I was in Peru a few weeks ago, precisely three weeks ago, uh, and I went to the market. I love going to markets in, in, in countries that I feel like you really get ingrained with the people, the culture, like the stuff people are buying, the foods they're eating, all of that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, they're a little dirty. They're potentially a little dangerous, but that's the fun of it. I mean... If we all went to Hy-Vee every day or the local grocery store and think that the whole entire world buys meat like that, you'd, you'd, you would never learn somebody else's culture that, yeah, a lot of the meat you buy in these other countries have been laying on the table with flies all over it all day. Is it gross? Maybe, but that's the way that's their culture. And anyways, that's the way we get into it. Anyways, I went to go buy some passion fruit because that uh, was very popular, I found out, at the at the store in um or the market in Peru, in Lima there. And I negotiated six soles for a couple of passion fruit, which is not much. It's it's very little actual money. Um, and so I handed her a 10, and she wouldn't take it. And, I, and I, I'm like, why won't you take this, this 10 sole bill? It was just a bill. It, she wouldn't take it because it had a tiny rip in it. Like less than a quarter of an inch of a rip. She wouldn't take it. Luckily, I had my, a friend of mine, I wasn't able to get to my friend's house, but a friend of mine, um, a friend of his was, was with me and, and she was like, why won't you take this? And she obviously speaks better Spanish and she goes, I won't take it because it has a little rip. So she ended up paying for the two passion fruits with an app called Yape, Y-A-P-E. So, of course, I'm very interested in this because the lady at the market had a phone. She had a phone. She asked who to send the money to. Money got sent. It was good to go. I mean, it was digital currency at its best. No, they didn't scan a QR code or anything like that. But this this culture, this country, has accepted sending money digitally to each other as this is the way it's going to be. The market literally skipped the credit card. They went straight to a digital currency and I was floored. So I spent a few hours with my, my, uh, the friend of my, uh, my friend and we went to a restaurant, which that restaurant, she did pay with a card. 
But when we when I got the taxi to go back to the hotel, uh, she had to come and pick up a bag to take to my friend because I couldn't get to Peru. I couldn't get to Arequipa because of like some civil unrest stuff there. They had they closed the airport while I was in transit to come down. Anyways, um, she called the, the the taxi driver on an app like Uber, but it wasn't Uber. Then used another app, Yape, to actually pay. I, I was just floored by their acceptance of this currency that's tied to their bank account, which is why I think, obviously, Peru is a smaller market than the United States, which is why I think that eventually CBDC or some type of U, uh, digital U.S. dollar is going to happen. Now, again, I'm going to go back and say you have to remember that not your keys, not your crypto. So how do I think it's going to work? Well... I don't think that the federal government is going to make all banks irrelevant. I don't think that the CBDC is going to skip past the banks and go directly from the U.S. government to the people. I just There's too much money in banking to make it just disappear. There's too much money in having savings accounts at your bank and all of that. So I believe that the government will be the holders of the accounts, but they're going to need places to uh, kind of facilitate the money so farmers bank will be the holder will it be the bank of, of of marking or something for the for your account but that'll be backed similar to how it is now by the full faith and credit of the u.s government I, that's the way i picture it the bank will be able to insert money into, into your cbdc they'll be able to take it out similarly now how the government can freeze accounts they'll be able to do that similarly however I do believe that the that the federal government will be able to seize and freeze and whatever else to take money away from your bank account without even talking to your bank. They will just be able to just re- remove and insert money at will. Not your keys, not your crypto. I'm very I'm obviously very skeptical of this. Will I use it? Sure. Will I hold a lot of money in it? Probably not. I'm going to you know, use a lot of use a lot more of the Bitcoin, the Monero, these type of things to convert to CBDC to then spend or whatever. I will actually probably if something like this happens in the United States, I will probably end up holding a lot more money in crypto than I do currently at the bank. Even if there's a stable coin that we can trust, and I'm not sure that there is one, Tether isn't one or anything like that. So I don't really know. Um, where where I would hold it or what I would do, but I do think that this could potentially or has the potential for a really big problem. You know, they talk a lot about um, guns and things like that and about outlawing uh, uh, so-called assault rifles. I don't think they'll get. I don't think there'll ever be uh, a, nash, a nationwide buyback or a nationwide seizure of the weapons. I just there's so many of them. I I just don't. For, and, and the danger um, to law enforcement or anything like that that would come to your house and try to seize these weapons. The you know there's a lot of gun owners out there that probably wouldn't be okay with law enforcement coming and saying, "Hey, I went to the local gun shop. We pulled all the we pulled all the the forms when you purchase weapons, and we noticed you have three AR-15s. I need to take those." That's probably not going to go well for the law enforcement. So, it, you know, the government doing something like this would cause a lot of danger to 
the people. I think what'll happen if something like that were to ever happen, they would put a financial strain on the people that own the guns to get them to turn them in. And CBDC is an awesome way to actually put restraint on people, limit access to funds. They would have to switch to cash only. I mean, it, it, this is the way, you know, buybacks and buy, not buybacks, or I guess they probably would pay you for the AR-15, but they would require that you turned it in. They would put a strain on you financially. So when people say, come and take it, that's not going to be how it would be. It would be, we're going to chokehold them to require them to turn their guns in to get money access back to their cash again. This is why not your keys, not your crypto is so important. CBDC is going to be a way to spend money, but it's going to be a way that's controlled by the bank and controlled by the government. It is not true crypto. And people need to understand that, understand how important that is. All right. Let's talk about uh, staking. So in the news lately, you've been hearing uh, about Kraken, which is one, which is a very large exchange that allows you to take Bitcoin or US dollar and convert between them, other crypto too. But they also offer a service called staking. Now, what is staking? We've talked about staking in the past. Say you take 32 Ethereum, you can become a validator and you can stake the Ethereum and you, there's some kind of yield, I don't know what it is, like 4 or 5% or something like that. If you have 32 Ethereum, it comes back to you in, um, in small chunks, and eventually you get your, the 32 that you tucked away in stake, and you get a little spending cash or to stake more or whatever you want to do. It was the way that they actually replaced mining, uh, GPU mining or whatever, to actually create the coin. So... What, what's happening is, is there are services out there that say you don't want to spend the $40,000 or more that it would take to stake your own Ethereum on your own servers, on Amazon or whatever. You can take a smaller amount of Ethereum and you can mix it with other people's small amounts of Ethereum and you can actually stake Ethereum. You could stake 32 Ethereum. Once they have enough to be 32 Ethereum, boom, you're staking, it's done. Well, the only way to do that is through these companies like Kraken or Coinbase or even Ledger has a staking ability where I don't know that I actually don't know that Ledger will let you mix the 32, but there's other like exchanges and things. Well, exchanges are regulated by the SEC. So they're as money handlers. I don't understand that whole part of the game, but they're regulated by the SEC. What's happening is, is when you stake and you mix your coins all together with other people's coins. Uh, Kraken and Coinbase and these other ones pay you a small percentage back for any time they get paid. It's similar to back in the day or even now, you you pool mine. So if I'm if I'm mining Bitcoin, I connect with other Bitcoin miners and we take our massive amount of power and we work to solve the problem every 10 minutes. And if the work we're doing, somebody discovers the block or you know mines the next mines the next coins, the coins get spread out across everybody mining. It's just a way to take all of this power and win more often than running a miner just sitting in your house. Which is fine because I don't know what... The, oh, because those those places that are the mining pools aren't regulated by the SEC. Well, anyways, where I'm getting at here is this is bad for the little guy. If you wanted to stake some Ethereum 
and get some yield, maybe lose. Who knows? I mean, the price of Ethereum could crash or whatever, and you could have zero sitting there. But that's your money. It's your choice. And when you go to turn on staking, yeah, I guess I, I can see where the government would say, well, it says that there's 4% yield, but you only returned 1% yield. It's no different than when you invest in stocks with a broker or something or, or with a like an investment professional. They don't guarantee that you're going to get any returns back. What they say is, is, well, you know, the trend has been, but I can't guarantee any future. So maybe the issue here is simply that the that these staking sites are guaranteeing you 4%. Well, we also know that they can guarantee 4% because they don't take the Ethereum and convert it back to the value of US dollar. They take it as this is how much of the coin or token you're going to get back in return. So they technically can offer you 4%. They can't offer you 4% on the US dollar, but they can offer you 4% on the coin. And that's the thing that maybe they just need to make clear on the websites to not to say like, look, this is not a security. This is simply a way to make more of this coin. I I don't know. I I think it's I think it's a big reach and I think it's like I said it's bad for the little guy. You know, the people that won when Ethereum switched to the staking model from the from the GPU model was one, the Ethereum developers definitely won. They won big because they were the largest holders of Ethereum. The other people that won are people like Kraken and Coinbase that can take this small, the all of these small amounts of the coin. They can stake for the people, but they get to collect a, a little tiny, you know, a little tiny bit off of all of that they make for everyone else, just for running the service. The people that lose, I mean, that's that's why the little guy loses more than anything because you know, who has thirty two Ethereum laying around? I know I don't. I, I personally never liked Ethereum from the beginning. I didn't like I didn't like the metho me methodology behind it. The smart contract stuff was was interesting, but I was like, Bitcoin is where it's at. They're not. It seemed like the Ethereum guys always had a stranglehold on the coin, especially when they you know back in the Deo hack they they reversed it. I think that was wrong from the beginning. I think it's wrong now. I don't think that the developers made the right choice. But who am I to say the, the coin that was as if the hack never happened? Uh, it is obviously less valuable than Ethereum, be probably because there's developers behind it. But that's only my only my only personal opinion. I mean, they've bastardized Bitcoin, too, and took taken out a lot of the stuff that has to do with how Bitcoin was designed, how the network was designed. They've changed all of that. I mean, they've added lightning and all of that stuff, which wasn't in the original plan. You know, all the off chain transaction stuff. Anyways, that's all I pretty much have to say today. I guess it was a longer episode, but yeah, be cautious of CBDC. It's interesting that, you know, in Latin America that they're really embracing digital currency already. It seems like the government, the banks, all of that are saying, well, this, this dollar bill or this, you know, pay, these soles this bill has a little rip in it and maybe the bank won't take it. It's just better to use the digital currency. They're really pushing it. Let's talk about, I'm just rewind. Let's talk about Nigeria. Nigeria, there's a huge push to CBDC. Huge push 
to to the point where you can't withdraw from the ATM more than ten dollars in whatever the Nigerian money is. You can't withdraw it. Anything more? I mean, they're smashing ATMs. They are forcing people to go to this digital currency by limiting cash people can get out of their own bank accounts. So to think that what I said earlier about, oh, I'm going to hold most of it in Bitcoin and Ethereum, and then I'll move it to CBDC when I need to, to think that that is actually going to be a simple, no problem process, that that's a complete wrong thing. As, as governments force people to go to digital currencies, they're going to make it the cash currencies harder to use. They're going to put more restrictions on how the dollar bill looks when you turn it into the bank to have it in, to have it deposited in your account. They're going to say, nope, I don't even want that cash. Give it to me in CBDC only. It's a scary thing to think of. And it's, um, you're not in control of your money. The government's going to take control. I'm not trying to be tinfoil hat conspiracy thing. I, I do think that out of all of the countries that will do the, do it right, our country will be closest. I don't think they'll do it right because I, I don't think there's a right way to let the government control your money. But if there is a way to do it, I hope that our government does it the best and doesn't try to devalue the $1 bill to make CPDC be more or better to use. But who am I to, to judge? I mean, it's not here yet. And there's more to read about it, but it will come and it will be. So in foreign countries, it's really easy to get cell phones, like to get a cell phone in a foreign country. It's a, it's, it's literally one of the cheapest things to get in in the United States. It's a little more expensive, like cell phones, I'll admit are more expensive, probably the cheapest plan that I know of to get just a SIM card, not even the phone is, um, uh, Unreal Mobile. It's like $120 a year and you get 5G and everything else. I am not a salesman for them. I do use them. But anyways, so $120 a year to get phone service. Then you got to buy the phone. So you buy a cheap Android phone. I think I was looking the other day. My mom gave me a Amazon gift card for Christmas and I thought it'd be fun to buy like the cheapest Android phone I could find. I didn't find one for under $30 and it was only a $25 gift certificate and I wasn't going to spend that. So uh, so for about $30, I got a smartphone and, and that's it. And, and in, in these foreign countries, these smartphones, I mean, they're everywhere. They're easy to get. They're cheap. So for them to switch to an all digital currency that requires the phone, it's easy because everyone has a phone that's capable of doing it. When you look at El Salvador and you look at how they're doing Bitcoin, which is if the government's going to do something, El Salvador is doing it right. They're using, a, they're using a currency that already exists that they didn't create. However, the way that they do it, as I've mentioned in the past, is wrong. They're, they're, taking the, they're taking Bitcoin and they're putting it in an app and using usernames to send the money back and forth, which means the government can see how you're spending the crypto between the people, I'm sure. So it's some kind of tax thing to make sure you're charging, you're, you're charging for the taxes correctly, all of that, whatever. But they're the closest to being right as of right now. But yeah, I, the next the next ten years is going to be very interesting, and ten years might be might be uh, slow. They may the CBDC thing may happen faster than we think. Uh, I just think 
if if the way that I think that the banks are going to have a little bit of control on how the CBDC is spent and used, I don't think banks can just roll it right out. So it's going to take some adoption in the bank industry. Uh, well, obviously the federal government will require it, but require it. But the there's training and everything else, and there's you know in the Midwest here, there's a lot of old banks out here that do things the old way. So I think that in the end, it'll probably hurt some little banks because they won't be able to keep up with the tech. But it'll take a lot, a little bit longer to roll out than I expect. But I'd say in the next ten years, let's watch and see. Let's see what where we get with all of this. This not your keys, not your crypto. And with that, I'll leave it. Have a great Monday.